Yes, of course it hurts. A poem by Karen Boy, translated by David Macduff. Yes, of course it hurts when buds are breaking. Why else would the springtime falter? Why would all our ardent longing bind itself in frozen, bitter pallor? After all, the bud was covered all winter. What new thing is it that bursts and wears? Yes, of course it hurts when buds are breaking. Hurts for that which grows and that which bars. Yes, it is hard when drops are falling, trembling with fear and heavy hanging, cleaving to the twig and swelling, sliding. Wait draws them down, though they go on clinging. Hard to be uncertain, afraid and divided, hard to feel the depths attract and call, yet sit fast and merely tremble. Hard to want to stay, and want to fall. Then, when things are worst, and nothing helps, the tree's buds break as in rejoicing, then when no fear holds back any longer, down in glitter go the twigs drops plunging. Forget that they were frightened by the new, forget their fear before the flight unfurled. Feel for a second their greatest safety. Rest in that trust that creates the world. city, where the sun is a mirror and the moon a shadow, where dancers cavort in forbidden operas, making love to forgetting and flame, where the wealthy play at war with silver swords and silken sashes, where the people mine the dead heart of a burning star for cannonballs and pipework, and where a thousand secrets hide in a forest of paper and ink. Here the five key bearers reside, the five who know the secrets of the broken gates of death. Five. Five only. There is no sixth spire, forlorn and forgotten in the desert. There is no one who looks to the displaced, the poor and destitute and landless, whose ancestry has been stripped from them by foreign looms and foreign sparcraft, and no one has ever heard of the House of Endings. But this is their story. Their roots pulled up and burned, they stand in filth up to their necks, and that is precisely why they must keep their heads ever high. Welcome to Uduasha, immigrant. May it fear the name of the house you will build. Welcome to Desperate Attune, an actual play podcast about characters with their identities in peril, played by an international cast devoted to fiction-first gaming, collaborative world-building, and complex character drama. Hi 
I missed oh, you, Craig. Oh my god, yeah! I, I turned <laughs> up my headphones to compensate for Emma's uh, lower sound, oh, god. and then Craig scared the shit out of me. <laughs> 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 I'm so sorry okay. to hear that. <laughs> it's fine. It's just, I I turned, like, I'm... I, I, I adjusted the audio levels, and uh, Craig was not adjusted. He's the only one who isn't. <laughs> Welcome back to Desperate to Tomb, everyone, and to the House of Endings. And uh, in the last session, we went to the Colosseum and had a um, rather dramatic fight. Two fights. Two fights and a separate fight over the microphone. Um, I think that about sums it up. Uh, Sherikatam dueled, uh, what's his name, Diamond Tooth? Diamond Tooth. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. And uh, Saida dueled Hambirau, uh, who is a uh, sort of a member bodyguard of one of the great houses. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget which one now. Ankayat, I think. Ankayat. Yeah. Uh, so that happened, and you were basically successful. Like, you won a duel uh, in the Colosseum. There was a bit of fiddling from Hambira, where he was like, technically, you only beat me on a technicality. On the other hand, Diamond Tooth genuinely got his ass kicked. Um, and there were two consequences of this, basically, because Bidrohi managed to tear away the magical microphone and commentate on the match. You are now famous. Like, you have tiered up. You are now established in Uduasha. People know of your names, and the Rising Moon Sword School is no longer thought of as basically, yeah, it's Ramu and some farmers, and then Ramu died. Now we have. Uh, now you guys have a reputation. Especially Sherekatam. Yeah, especially Sherekatam. And this session we are going to focus on basically illustrating a little bit what tearing up will mean for this crew, and also on some conversations, some free play, some downtime. There probably won't be a score, but uh, we'll see what the vibes are. Nevertheless, there's a lot of things to be described, discussed, and uh, I'm sure there will still be plenty of dramatic scenes, even if there's no breaking into the Majesty Bank this particular session. But who knows? Uh, oh yeah, so, I forgot that's a thing. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let us begin with a general discussion of your tearing up. You have gotten famous enough that you probably have some students coming to your schools now. Your tier has increased. Ooh. Your cohort has grown. I think basically people actually want to learn fighting from you now. That's why you have a source of passive income, and that's why you you know have a tier, right? You have some. Mm. Some people, even non-Kethrisy people, who think that you are cool, who want to learn to fight for reasons of self-defense or ego or a number of other reasons, right? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, you get some you get some donations now. You uh, well, not not donations. I guess you could frame them as donations, or you could frame them as people paying for an education. Either way. Uh, so I think let's start with zooming around a little bit on everyone's lifestyle and how this uh, this has increased as you have tiered up and what it specifically means for your characters. Starting with the lair. So before we go on to your individual characters, 
tell me a little bit, everyone, about what improvements you have made to your lair and your home. So your home is Moonlit Ankatham's flop house, most of you anyway. And your lair is this abandoned smithy slash sword school, which has at the back like a training area where some drug addicts used to hang out, I think. And uh, not anymore. Uh, which you're still, yeah. yeah, you're still working on improving that, consecrating the training grounds. And then you have a bunch of weapons lining the walls. And other than that, it was kind of a messy area. We described that you have a sofa. It wasn't all that clean. We didn't actually see many of the other rooms, which is, I assume, because they were just in a bad state of disrepair. We so, had other rooms. Yeah, I didn't. It, I thought it was just like an open warehouse. Yeah. yeah. We had, you, I don't think it was even a had, warehouse. It was just like a shop. You definitely yeah. had a room, because oh, we yeah. have seen Bald Murad go into that room and make uh, tea. We have never actually yeah. seen anyone be in that room, but Bald Murad has been in it, and it has tea. <laughs> That's, yeah. This is what we yeah, know about uh-huh. it. So... <laughs> The way I've been picturing this place is just like, uh-huh. just, you know, it, it's just a, like a tin roof over not even, I mean, just dirt. And like, there are some, you know, just we have, the space has been maybe like partitioned up into like a main area, uh-huh. maybe whatever the foreman's office or whoever yeah. used to be there. And maybe there's like a break room and okay. <laughs> that'd be it. Yeah. So I guess the break room is where Murad and Pilot make tea. Which is all we have known about it. So, uh, uh, why don't you start by telling me, uh, Ariat, since we're on you, what sure. the what the break room actually looks like now, <laughs> like now that mm. you have improved it somewhat. All right. Uh, if we have more students, like snacks are all very important. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. So, I mean, I was gonna say a vending machine, but this universe doesn't have one. I, I uh, know. Then, I think we have a. There, now that it's a bit bigger. Uh, uh-huh. Sorry, I'm interrupting, but I think uh, no, no, no. So I think like I think we have actually managed to get to the the yard that the drug addicts were squatting in, mm-hmm. like, and I think like we have it, but now there's also because there's a bit more space that we need. There's a, a sort of like snacks and chai wala chai, chai vendor who basically mm-hmm. has a little uh, little stall there. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, he, he's not an employee or anything, but like you know, he basically he just hangs makes, out there. He hangs people. out, yeah. He hangs out there, and like, and also a lot of people come there for him too. So it's good for us. Okay, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> you know, an entrepreneur the, the, has moved in in your backyard. This, this checks out. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's give this person a name. If you have a backyard entrepreneur, <laughs> who is this? Morpheus. Morpheus Pay. Morpheus Pay. Morpheus uh-huh. <laughs> Okay. Morpheus Pie hangs out in your in your backyard selling tea. Lovely. If if this is surprising to your prince, don't be because like yeah. whenever like I mean yeah yeah, yeah, back, yeah. But in Dhaka, like if any activity starts up like within a few minutes, there's gonna be a new tea stall there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I I buy it, and it does make sense. There are there are actually customers visiting this area now in this like otherwise crowded uh, yeah. part of Bundervest. So, absolutely. You can, you can get tea, you can get samosas, and for some reason, he's always got bananas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. How's, uh, how's Bald Murad taking this? I, I don't know that Bald Murad was like... I don't know that he genuinely enjoyed making tea. It was just the only job you guys you guys gave him. So now I guess he enjoys <laughs> drinking it and not having to make it. <laughs> so, 
I don't necessarily think you put him out of a job or anything. He's technically <laughs> security. It's just you've never asked him to do anything other than make you tea. So, um, lovely. What about the front of the establishment? Like now that you have attracted some students, have you put up a sign or something like that? Again, you have a little bit of money. People know who you are. Is this entirely word of mouth? Does it look the same or is there some change to the facade? Let's have Emma answer this one. So I think what we've done is um, it's not a sign that like that's I don't think there's a I don't think there's a sign here that says here is the sword school. Um, but I do think I do think what we have is we have kind of from maybe beams or something built a facade that is uh, that resembles the facade that a Kethrisi house would have. Um, yeah, and the word of mouth is very much like pointing people to the, the house with the Kethrisi facade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Kethrisi architecture. Let's continue that thought, actually. <laughs> I feel like I'll post this one to Chloe. What's Kethrisi architecture like? Mm. Like everyone can chip in, but I'm just nominating Chloe here. So largely wooden, uh, very mm -hmm. wood based. Um, I think a lot of it involves, so we discussed mangroves, right? So now mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm largely picturing now a lot of like, um, uh, reeds and so on. So like wooden kind of arches and so on that kind of like, uh, look like they were shaped. Like you, you don't necessarily carve, but you try to find a piece of wood that really like conforms to the shape you want and mm -hmm. then you take that shape and then you take that piece of wood and then you use reeds and other kind of vines and so on dried up and then you kind of dash those together to kind of like create the facade that you want and perhaps then to fill in like the to create like floors and so on if you want to create like a second floor you use the reeds and all that to create like a net sort of thing so i think that's very traditional architecture I don't think that many people actually live like this anymore, especially because there's also a lot of mud in Ketris. So I think there's also a lot mm -hmm. of mud-based stuff. But I think the very, like, sort of, like, especially if you're going for, like, an advertisement sort of vibe, then I think it it's this sort of, like, a really naturalistic, uh, found driftwood kind of architecture with the reeds and so on that people associate heavily with Ketris. Yeah. Very cool. So this is the kind of thing that would be very cheap in Ketris and a bit more expensive here, actually, to get this look going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Tree, uh, one more question for you, which is that you have not mm -hmm. only been working on claiming these training grounds, but your project is actually to consecrate them, which Bibrohi yes. worked in part on by destroying an effigy of Ramu and trying to leave Ramu's like heritage behind. Yeah, we also... Uh, Asked some drug drug druggies to move away, and I think they mostly have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but my question is: now that this place is nicer, what signs of consecration are there actually? Like maybe Saida has put these up, or maybe other people have. But what you know? Oh, nobody, nobody apart from Saida is trusted to do this because nobody okay. apart mm -hmm. from Saida seems to know what it even is. Um, sure. But I think that. What she's been doing is uh, every day, every morning, um, she takes water that seems to have come from the river 
uh, and she, um, I think she, like, does some weird martial thing. Oh, I know what she does. She, like, uh, stands in front of the, like, the entrance or whatever. Um, she's got, like, a little jug of water. She throws it in the air. And then in one flick, she uses the sash to, like, cut the stream of water. Um, and when anybody asks her, uh, she says, um, nothing can end before it begins. And as a result of that, I think people have become like a bit inspired. And so there's, um, a lot of, I think, I think like, uh, maybe there's one or two communal showers. There's like somewhere you can drink water regularly and uh everything is kept very like clean um okay i don't when you know say that showers, saida has told yeah when you no, say what? showers do you mean to say that you guys have running water now because i don't think you did yeah before. i think so i think so okay i think we do have had a plumber this is okay this yep. is basically most of the cost of tearing up i think is getting a decent yeah. plumber but yeah yeah and Excellent. I want to be clear here that all of this is like some of the new students, a uh, little bit bold, Murad, like following what they think is Saida's lead. And Saida has not told them to stop. But the one time that uh, someone tried to do her weird little ritual, she beat the absolute shit out of them. Okay. Interesting. Uh, cool. I'll, tell you how, <clears throat> I'll tell you how we have running water. Mm-hmm. We got a plumber. So there's the water bearers. They run the they're the faction yeah. that controls the water. And Bundervest is kind of like one of their turf areas. Yeah. Uh, so there's hydrants and so on in the area that the water bearers control access to. And I think we have spent a bit of money, not as much as money as we would have had to spend if we actually got a contract with yeah. the water bearers directly. But we spent mm-hmm. a bit of money to get a plumber to tap into the pipes from from below and kind of like siphon off water from the hydrants. Mm. Okay. <laughs> All right. So a bit of improvised plumbing. Yes. And uh, pretty illegal. Yeah. Makes sense. So you're stealing water at the moment, but you're not stealing very much of it. So it's no, probably no. fine. Yeah. Um, yep. Excellent. The one other thing I want to point out is that the quality of your weapons have increased. And I think that the reason this has happened actually is that the people who have shown up to study under you are mostly dispossessed farmers themselves, because this is how you fight. And I think they have left farming implements. They have like, you know, many people show up and they pay you in tools. So you now have some nice sickles and scythes and flails and things adorning your walls, right? Fancy weapons. Yeah. They're not really weapons. They're farming tools. It's just they're newer and in better shape than the ones you had. Yeah. No, no, no. The, the marketing is, ooh, fancy weapons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's the, the style of the lair. Mm. Uh, we will get to I drill do down. Have, ca- uh-huh. I do oh. have one question, which is, who is teaching exactly? I was about to ask. Oh, okay, great. Uh, in that case, because I asked the question, I will volunteer somebody else to answer it. I can answer it. Uh-huh. I don't think we have fully established any classes and so on as such. I think people show up and whoever happens to be around and feels like it takes them to some basics. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I've had like in in my uh, short experience in doing like some martial arts, that was typically how it worked out. Whoever was yeah. the most senior most member at present at the time would just take the class. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, you were you were sort of pillars of the community, right? This is not a formal school exactly. This is just someone shows up and goes like, "Hey, this gang has been breathing down my neck. Can you teach me to like beat these two guys up?" Mm -hmm. And someone who is nearby gives them some helpful pointers, and they give you like an old sickle in return, right? It's yeah. all very informal, but you have yeah, enough yeah. of a reputation now that you are the people, you are the people that people turn to. Yeah, because we we don't have anyone who's an actual official ostad yet, and until we do, I don't think we can really take students. You aren't a real ostad. I beg your pardon. I am better than an ostad. I am. Um, me. Well, so it should be easy for you to become an Ustad then. Mm -hmm. I don't think there is an official process, by the way. I think it's just like you declare yourself one. Let's be real. Yeah, let's see. Let's yep. see how it goes. But we. <laughs> yeah. No one calls you Ustad yet. No. Yeah, I don't want and... them to. That's for hoity toity people who are not in touch yeah. with the masses, okay? Okay, can I be and... Ustad then? Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> go on then. Speaking Sorry, of Saeedas. Yes, speaking of Saida's status, actually, we will turn to the mm. scenes in a moment, but just how has this newfound local fame affected Saida? Like, for the first time, I think, in a long time, people now actually respect your wisdom. Before you were this weird old person that a yep. limited amount of people turned to. But, yep. yeah, again, this tearing up didn't actually necessarily give you any money, um, mm. but it did give you a lot of fame locally in the district. And that applies, I think, to all of your characters. So how is Saida handling this? And what changes, if any, in your lifestyle have occurred? I think one of the things that has happened now is that people think that um, the kinds of things that Moss does are things that I'm telling Moss to do, rather than it just being weird shit that she does. Mm -hmm. um, just because like Moss and I live together, and the assumption is that you know i'm it must be something of like student teacher thing right like i've taken on a personal student rather than she's kind of related to me and she really didn't want to live with her mother um yeah and therefore i think what has happened is that there have been uh a number of people around Moss's at Moss's age who come up to me and ask if they can live with me and i've been having to be polite about telling them to fuck off which, I right. which so, earlier I wasn't. So Saida uh, does I, not live at Moonlit's boarding house. Oh, no, I, I live separately. I, I couldn't possibly live, live in Moonlit's house. It's really annoying yeah. to have to share my space. And uh, the only reason I do it with Moss is that Moss is somewhat tolerant. Okay. I don't barely think we've seen Saida's. Yeah, I think, mm. don't think we've seen Saida's home before. So No, I don't think we have. Yeah. Shall we what go I... there? Yeah, shall we do a brief, brief description of it, and maybe set a scene yeah. between uh, Saida and Moss there, even if you have oh, something you yeah. need to discuss. Uh, I do have something to discuss with Moss, but I'm curious whether Moss has something to discuss with me also. Well, then there is content for scene, so we will play to find out. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> so let's yeah. see this scene at Saida and Moss's house, which is again now somewhat nicer because your tier is higher, so at least your gear is better, even if you yes. aren't necessarily richer. I think that there is a uh, there is as you come in, 
um, a little like uh, wooden screen um, that kind of like, so I think the, the, the door is open, but like for some kind of privacy, there's a, there's a wooden like thing um, that's meant to let people kind of come in and take their slippers off or whatever. And the reason for this is that the house is not actually big enough um, to have a front room, right? Um, but one of the things that has changed is that now there's a little uh, foot stand where you can put your feet up and stuff. Um, isn't that nice? Not your feet up, your shoes. Um, I think we go in and uh, it's not a very, like, I, I feel like it's, you know, one floor. Uh, what um, I think in real estate ads, they call it 2BHK, uh, which is two bedrooms, a hall and a kitchen. Um, but it's still quite big for uh, someone in Saida's position, to be clear. It's just small in terms of, like, how we yeah. tend to live our lives now. I was um, about to ask, how did you come by such a place? Because, like, this is the hospitality ghetto. Living space is yeah, it's precious. I think, I think this was um, the last of my favors. Uh, was me thinking I, I, I absolutely need somewhere to stay, and I refuse to do so in, uh, in someone else's company. So I need to figure out how I can avoid staying with somebody. And the solution that I came to was I should um, find someone whom I could, who had like done, like who owed me a favor and like fall in that favor. Maybe it's even, uh, I think it would be very funny if it was uh, uh, Al Qadr. I think it was his, like maybe I helped his uncle or something. And then I mm. went and I bullied him mm. into, Allotting me the space. Okay, um, so you're living in Al Qadr's old house. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's what it is. Okay. Yes. Uh, very good. And uh, yeah, just because we haven't seen people's homes and rooms, what's Moss's mm -hmm. room like in this place? Because I guess we've established that Moss lives here too. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Is the is this a two bedroom situation? That's my uh, gut feeling. Yes. Um, cool. Because I think that uh, when she got the place, it was Al Qadr and another family sharing the space. They each had a bedroom. Uh, mm -hmm. And I was like, it's mine now. And you, you're not going to complain about this, are you? Because if you are, I will beat you. And no, I will not beat you. I will, I will just shame you in front of everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what I think. Um, what I think we see if we go into Moss's be bedroom, um, it's, I think there is probably space, more space there than she is taking, taking up, even though it is extremely small. Um, like Moss has a bed and still there is some like remnants of her, um, of her, her like experience as staying at a as a guest in people's houses it's how she's lived for most of her life so most of her stuff um even though she's lived here for quite like a significant amount of time now is still like in her huge backpack that has like all things dangling from it and that's at the foot of her bed um and i think the things that are here otherwise furniture wise 
other than the bed and her uh, her backpack are things that Zaida has put there or that were there already when it, when the house was bought. Makes sense. So you basically live out of your bug out bag, pretty much. Yes. Uh huh. What do you think I've given you? I don't know. Has has Zaida like? Do you think they would have put things in the house? Just kind of as general. Uh, yeah. I... Like make it a bit more home homey. I don't know about make it a bit more homey, but definitely make it a bit more mine. Um, mm -hmm. so maybe there is a collection of, uh, wooden sculptures made from, um, dead mangroves. And I think that this is like, just as like, like just a set of things that's been bought, uh, you know, what, what you might call, uh, bric-a-brac, um, but for Saida, it is um probably something slightly more important because it represents something to her specifically right but mm -hmm. um yeah so maybe they've put one in each uh room of the house so there is one in your room as well oh yeah cool all right so and i think yeah. we begin this yeah uh, and i think we begin scene by i will add you guys okay yeah I have, of course, given you guys a housewarming present. No, no, no. Yes, your house. Yes. Mm -hmm. Did your sister as well? Or was it just you? No, it was us both. It's a okay. very big bowl, a very big clay bowl that uh, I actually, hmm. How would, maybe I made it. I worked with the potter oh. and I made it. And Uzra mm. painted it with like birds and shit. Uh, mm. It's it's pretty good. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I take yeah. it with the kind of grace that I understand to be appropriate. Yeah, it's not for you, though. No. Uh -huh. I didn't think it was. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, it was okay. a, a bowl? A bowl. Oh, a bowl. Ah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not important at all in any context beyond that it's from us. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very good. And so this bowl is the centerpiece of what is going on as uh, I think this scene starts with Bald Murad delivering you guys some food that has been left mm. by a student and so I think he comes in and he uh, looks around he sees this big uh, big bowl and I think he will pour into it hmm. now I think he will set down he's carrying like a container of hot coals to keep things warm mm. uh, and then he will like there isn't yeah there isn't space on the table so he fiddles around a bit like he moves the bowl then he sets down the coals and then he puts up some small pieces of sizzling meat um, and he says uh, I, I forget Murad's voice now but uh, he uh, he says like uh yeah some some students came over with this uh I, I thought we should share. Technically, it was for you, but you know you weren't there, so yeah, here you go. Yeah. The board, Murad. How many times have I told you that whatever the students give to the temple? No, 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 no. Sorry, I don't say temple. We're not part of a temple. Whatever the students give to us, 
the school kids, not those of us who did not live there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. But no one was there, and you kind of got to eat this fresh, or, you know, the, the bugs and stuff are going to get to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I can eat it. He says, looking at you so much. No, you've already brought it. <laughs> Here, have a biscuit. And I think there, there is some um, mm-hmm. moldy biscuit. Not yeah. moldy, that's, that's meat. There is some, like, stale biscuits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not yeah. bad to eat. Yeah. It's not particularly, uh, yeah, pleasant. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But he can have I some guess. meat as well if he likes. Sure. I think he will take the biscuit, and then he probably has business to do, so he hurries along. But, like, now there has been a yeah. meal delivered, so it's a good good yes. reason for you guys to talk, right? So Moss, yeah. who is probably, like, taking a nap or whatever, is woken up by the slamming around that Murad does, and also by the the smell of uh, of meat kept warm on some coals. Mm. And the truth and is that even though I do think the principle is important, the meat is also good. So, yeah, I'm imagining this as kind of one of those uh, those like Turkish barbecues where they put like some wrapped coals like inside to keep it warm. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. So it's a yeah. I'm just peeking my head out of the bedroom like. <sighs> You aren't going to make make us eat this in the school again. No, you can have it here. But if we're not, we have to start it right. You know that. I know that. Mm. We have to make sure everybody knows that. If people think we're just running this to get stuff for ourselves, we're no better than Ram. And I refuse to be no better than Ram. There are there are some improvements to be made on Ramu, I agree. Hmm. Are you guys talking about shit about Ramu in front of Bald Murad? No, he's I think left. Murad is leaving, he's actually. Gone. He took the biscuits yeah, yeah, and yeah. left. So yeah, I have not said anything in front of Ramu. Not because I'm scared of Ramu, to be clear, um, or, about, or of Bald Murad, but mostly because I'll have to hear about it from you later on. Uh, and then I'm just like, it's not worth it to me. Yeah, fine, whatever. Is, yeah, is so you know, like, yeah, uh, I mean, come up. it's meat, it's fine. It's uh, if I had to guess, it's probably goat. Uh, I think they kind of peer at it, trying to figure out what it is, um, then gives it up, you know, mostly because they don't really care that much. Um, and then they will say, um, I wanted to speak to you about something, uh, before I brought it up with Mushfiq and Bidrohi. Oh. Wanted to make sure that we might be on the same page. Sounds serious. Yes. Uh, you recall the night at the opera some months ago when the House of Lies came into being? In fact, I've been dreaming about it. Have you now? Just now. And and as they say this, I, I think they're actually quite happy that you're dreaming about it, which may not be good for you. That may be kind of weird, actually. <laughs> um, that happy, but you know, that's that's who she is. Um, and she says, uh, "Excellent." And you remember what I said to you about the Prince of Endings? 
you'll have to remind me. Much you know, th many things were say said about the Prince Ferdings that day. That when it was all over, they threw him into the wilderness. They said this about Prince Cotton. That was the phrase. That I is think. who, yes, for Prince Khatam is the Prince of Endings. Uh, oh, she kind of like rubs her face. Okay, that makes more sense. I was meaning, I've been meaning to ask you about if you knew what that means, but apparently you do. All in good time. Now, before you... Have you been dreaming about... Prince Khatam. Uh, well, I was in my in my dream. I was um, on stage and I forgot my feathers, which is weird because I but I didn't have feathers, you know. But uh... hmm. I see. So just some. Hmm. That's disappointing. Well, I'm sorry. Not here is what I think uh, is important to know. Uh, it is that the Prince of Endings is going to join us. And he is going to join us. But in order for something to end, it must, must first begin. And in order for pr the Prince of Endings to begin, we must make him begin and i think it's time that you and the other two well i'm not asking you to join me necessarily but it would be good if you didn't interrupt my plans so tell me what do you think the word divinity means wait why are we why are we making the prince of endings begin but I well uh don't worry about that just yet. Just tell me what do you think divinity is? Okay. Um this is a this is a difficult one. It means it means the, the opposite of the opposite of mundane in the same that sacred is the opposite of profane, the opposite of the everyday. It's more than of this world. So you would say that we would find the divine by eliminating the mundane? I suppose. And if anything remains, that would be divine. That, that makes sense to me. Good. As to why we must bring the Prince of Endings into the world, the first thing, and I think as they say this, um, there is a kind of ironclad belief uh, because they're about to say something akin to the sky is made of clay, right? Like just completely bonkers. Uh, mm -hmm. She says, um, the first thing you must know is that the Prince of Endings is already here all around us. There are six houses. You know this, don't you? I, I, aren't there five houses? I forget. 
Six. Six, my dear. Justice. Swiftness. Shadow. The other two. <laughs> Might and Lefter. Might and Lefter. Yeah. yeah, that's what they were. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that again. Give me a second. <clears throat> Justice, swiftness, shadow, might, laughter, endings. Six. Okay. I I I'm not sure I've heard of the last one. Uh, but but. Well, you've been uh, you've been around longer than I have, maybe. Where where did you get all this from? Is this have you been in contact with the Blue Smoke Troop about their 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 tome, their book? Uh in fact, I have not. I thought it better to focus uh, my efforts elsewhere for some time. And well, the Blue Smoke Troop is. Should we say that the longer I leave it, the more well inclined they will be to me, to me when I ask. Here's what I need you to do for me, Moss. When I tell Mushfiq and Bidrohi, you're going to agree with me that there are six houses because you will know that there are six houses. You will agree with me that there are six princes because you know there are six princes. And when I name the house on Khatam, you will know you are one of the house of on Khatam. I know that that is our name. But and I think um, I... actually I'm going to use this as my training action. Uh, so I will uh, fill in my last. Uh, slot on my playbook advancement track filling it i will take the ability which i now think is it's, it's mildly funnily named but maybe it should be named something else um okay. it's called speak of the devil um mm -hmm. and it says uh you have begun to know the names of the prince of endings speak one and he will stir speak three and he will speak speak five and he will wake beware his attention even his siblings fear him and what I'm going to do is I am going to attempt to speak the first name of the Prince of Endings so that uh, my clanswoman, Moss on the Rung that breaks your ankle and Katam, may hear it. So I think maybe this happens in response to Moss saying, I know that that's, that is our name, but mm. we. I I I don't know if I can back you up because you have I don't know any of those things because you've just you haven't taught me you've just told me Yeah and I think that uh the first name of the prince of endings really has to be Katam right because we are the house yeah. of endings so if we are on mm -hmm. Katam then so I think I will just look into Moss's eyes and Saying as a nuclear bomb, I'm going to say his name is Katam. You reckon this might be a role, Prince? Yes. 
yes, I do. So, <clears throat> uh, you are, you are, yeah. Um, Desperate. Let me look up what <laughs> what you are doing. You are speak one, and he will stir. That's all it says. So you're speaking one name yep. of the Prince of Endings. Speak yeah. one, and, and he will stir. Uh, I want to be clear. I'm pretty sure this is the only one I know, and mm -hmm. it's one that I'm attempting to like bring into the world. A. Okay. B. Hmm. I have no idea what stirring means, but I trust that um, Moss will recognize it, which is all I need from it. And C. Uh, I gotta ask you a question about stress, which is that given it, that it's been a few months, do I get to clear my stress bar? Yes, I think let's do okay. this. We have been in long downtime, so let yeah, us. No, but okay, I thought we were gonna have a cute date oh, in yeah. the tree. No, we, we need to indulge vice. That is absolutely correct. Mm. Don't clear your stress bar. Sorry. You were quite okay, right. That's we, fine. We have indulged vice fine. to do. Mm -hmm. uh, in that case, I am. Uh, Resisting this may become more interesting than it might have been otherwise, but that's totally fine. Yep. Um, yes. So, yes. Uh, how I'm going to frame this is that this is desperate great, and the great effect is to Moss, and the desperate consequence mm -hmm. is to Saida. Yes. This is how it's going to be framed. So if you succeed, you will have some impact on Moss, because Moss is the person yes. to hear this. I mean, what is happening here, just to be clear to you, Emma, I think Moss is mm -hmm. about to hear something that is said with divine truth, and this just hearing it has an effect on you, right? Because that's what yeah. this ability does. But the roll might mm. also fail, so... Mm -hmm. mm. On the subject of stirring, I will remind mm. everyone that Uduasha mm. is built in the caldera of an extinct volcano. Yep. Yes, it is. And with a fallen star in it, so... Yeah. There's a lot going on. Stir? Mm. Stir? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very there good. is no star apart from Bidrohi. Don't worry about it. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that I am attuning, but it's possible yes. that I am swaying? Question mark? I don't know. Um, I think I think you're attuning. I think you're doing yeah. a classic desperate attune, actually. Great. Uh, I, ha I am warded, so I'm going to mark my special armor. Uh, which restores at the beginning of downtime. So I unmarked it from the end of the last mm -hmm. score. Uh, so I'll mark it again to push myself when I deal with arcane forces. This is literally the point of this ability. Mm -hmm. um, and I know the secret ways to study the names of ancient powers. And I get one die to speak speak it for my own purposes. Yep. Um, so it's two extra dice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Moss, do you want to help me? I think it might be more interesting if you don't, to be clear. I, I think you should take a devil's bargain that I might suggest. Oh. But uh, you, you, can, you can decide if you're assisting first. No, go ahead. Uh, I'm curious to hear the devil's bargain. Okay. I think as soon as you say the name, regardless of what else happens, something very strange happens in Ypres. Oh, the, the deep city? Okay, yes. I, we're, we're doing this, I guess. Okay, we're invoking the deep city. Fine. I will I will modify this Devil's Bargain slightly before I pass it on to Tree. Mm -hmm. uh, your friend, Salman, the King of Lies, uh, is in yes. Ypri right now, as you say Correct. this. Indeed. Uh, I so, think this makes... Uh, this is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah something yeah. will happen to him. Mm. Um... Yes, I think I would take this, and I want to add that um, 
I am his vizier. So if something that I do hurts him, A, I'm literally a traitorous vizier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and B, uh, I told him that I was going to be a traitorous vizier. Yeah. But then if that becomes true, how am I a liar? Yes. Don't know. Yes. Great. Uh-huh. Very uh, good. So you induce <laughs> an ontological shift in the deep city and take a bonus die yes. for this. Excellent. Emma. Uh-huh. Sorry. Yeah. Emma, do you want to help? <laughs> yes. I think in fact um in in fact Mars, though she is um extremely confused, is also extremely drawn. Um somehow by all these things you are saying and there is a genuine need need in her head to like make sense of what what until now sounds like ramblings and like out of nothing ramblings um and i think i think that that desire in her will uh will both pull at her stress and also make the attuning easier makes sense uh, I can't both push myself uh, for a die and take a devil's bargain, so I'm just unmarking my special armor for them. Um, okay. Because rather than go yep. for extreme effect, I may mark the special armor if this roll ends up going badly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a tune. Yep. It is desperate. Mm-hmm. I'm at great effect. I have one die from my ability, one die from the Devil's Bargain, and one die from help. So that's three bonus dice. Watch mm-hmm. me roll three twos. Sorry, five twos. Let's see. Oh my god. Not it's even one, two, four, two, five. I just, I just wanted a six. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was in my brain, I was like, wow, I could really roll a crit here. There is a non-zero chance. Okay. Well, you mm-hmm. have your special yep. armor remaining. And so there is a great effect yeah. on Moss, and there's also something happening yes. to Saida for, for... I mean, you're not invoking yeah. the name in vain, but you are no. uh, you are invoking the name. So Moss, uh, the great effect that you have here, and we will explore what the hell this means down the line, actually, mm. is that mm-hmm. you've been having dreams of Prince Katam, of this legend of the past, right? Yeah. And as this name is spoken, you realize that it is the Prince of Endings, not the Prince of Beginnings. These dreams are not of the past. The play you have been acting out is not from the past. It's from the future. Ah. And you, uh, not, you now have you prophetic see me, dreams. But I literally did a fist, fist, fist pump. Uh, <laughs> yes. So you now have prophetic dreams. This may be something that you can bend to your advantage, or it may just be something that plagues you. But you realize in a flash that all of the dreams you have been happening are of things that have not yet happened. And that, in fact, the entire play you participated in depicts events that have not yet happened. Damn, so, that's great. cool. All right. Yeah. Which I means think... that you, yeah, you had, I, let me remind you, dreams of an entire lifetime, which you now realize are in the future. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. It means she's going to have to live a... Uh... A plus. Yeah, yep. um, don't have to live all of that out. Uh, I think we yes, see again. we see uh, Zaida speak the name, and something shifts in Moss, and suddenly, like tears are just running down her cheeks, even though she remains mostly still. Do you have 
any future memories of you going to your brother's wedding as he marries an absolute <laughs> smoke show? Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, Peter, he knew this. Knew about this. This is probably what he would ask. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I yeah, have a so... question for Prince, which is what? What is the desperate consequence? Yeah. Uh, I was uh, I was about to name that uh, to you, mm. Saida, and you may want to resist this. Uh, yes. You are not in this future. You are going to die before it comes to pass. Oh. Like you will never see your god realized. Oh shit. Um. If I accept this, does that mean my god will be realized? If you accept this, it it means that the future that Moss sees will be realized after you die. But we don't know. Yes. No. Okay. I... Yeah, we don't know precisely what that means yet. This is a very yes. abstract okay. sort of role, but this is what's going on. Excellent. Yeah. I want to mark my special armor to resist here, but what I want to resist is uh-huh. the uncertainty regarding whether or not my god comes into being. So I don't... I think it's A plus if I end before... Uh, Prince Katham begins, but I want yeah. to resist Prince Katham not beginning. Uh-huh. So, fair enough. I think what this will resist is the the uncertainty about whether or not this will happen, and it, it may also resist, like, you know, it may be that you will get to live to see the beginning of the end, as it were. Sure. Um, uh, so I, mean, I think that sort of shifts the uncertainty yeah. here, right? It's not uncertain yeah. whether or not Prince Katham will exist now, it is uncertain whether or not you will live to see it. Whether um, I will exist alongside Prince Katham. Yes. And I think this uncertainty yeah. is actually enough, because even though, even as you resist this, even as you strive to like understand this prophecy, it's not even you really changing the future, it's just you coming to terms with it and interpreting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you now know that your time is limited. That is the, yeah. the other consequence. Like No one lives forever, but you have seen in this moment your own ending. Yeah. Um, and I think, in fact, uh, there is something very poignant happening here in that we have both, both Moss and Saida have seen their futures, right? And they're very different in that Moss has seen a second life, but Saida just sees her death. Yeah. And it, yeah, I, I mean, think... it may not even be Moss's life in the future. It's just a vision from the future because it's not like it yeah. was Moss's life as Moss before. So, yeah. It's all very confusing, but yes. It's all very confusing, yeah. But I think that, um, yeah, they speak this, they know that there is something in, something somewhere has changed. Uh, is it is it Fallen London, which says something somewhere has begun to change? Um, anyway. Indeed, something somewhere has begun to change. It's an apt description yeah. of what is going on. So yeah, uh, that's what happens. Um, and Moss, we see tears streaming down your face. How? What else do you do as this crushing realization overwhelms you? Let me think for a sec. And I think she also thinks for a sec. Uh, I see the inevitability of it, and our yeah. I, I get it. Okay, I get it. Our part in it is inevitable too. What are you going to tell Bidroni and uh, and Mushfik? Exactly what I told you. Okay. Do they deserve any different? 
No. I, it sounded like I, was, I will tell. I just don't understand why you told me first. I told you first because it seems to me that in the desert you may have seen things more like the Prince of Endings. And mm. you may have more experience with something like that, with something like him. I see. But I also told you first because you live with me. Hard to avoid. Okay, sure. <laughs> and then she grabs a bite of meat and eats it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and, you know, Saida's going to eat a bit and just, like, think about stuff. Um, you know, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yep. Great. That's what I wanted to speak Great. to Moss about. Yeah, I, let me remind you, Tree, that I have no idea what your bullshit is going to do until no. you do it. So it's, yeah, yeah, this yeah. This took me by surprise, too. But yeah, good. Here we are. It should. Um, I didn't know either. A uh-huh. and B, uh, I really think that I enjoy this game best when we find out together. So, yep. Uh, yep. It's just you spoke this, and I thought the ending cannot be in the past. So, yeah, it, it isn't. Yeah. Um, very good. <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, uh huh. Um, so, we have seen Saida and Moss's new living situation, and also the future, and we, we turn now to, uh, let us turn to Bidrohi, actually. Let's go to Mushfik last, and uh, say how Bidrohi's life has improved and or changed, mm. and then we will do a scene involving Bidrohi. Uh, do you, so, uh, sorry, you want me to go first? Yes, uh, okay. about how Bidruhi's life and lifestyle has changed. And I have noted down that Bidruhi and Mumtaz haven't really spoken since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> at least on screen. Uh, mm-hmm. But Bidruhi's life is amazing. Okay, first of all, one word, butler. This is not the right word, because it's mm-hmm. not really a butler, but it's more like just someone who comes in every now and then, just, I don't know, sweeps up the floors. But it's an improvement for the house, for uh-huh. sure. Uh, uh-huh. So, I mean, Sherekhatam, I am working on your butler. We'll get to butler level soon, but uh-huh. I hope this is fine for now. Uh, mm-hmm. So this yeah, person I'll, is I'll just like it. some student hoping to learn, and you tell them to sweep the floor, or what? No, 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 no. This is just someone. This is someone we have hired for the boarding house. Okay, I yeah, see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, of course, the 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 students, of course, they must sweep the floors. I mean, if you're going to be mm-hmm. a student in a sword school, of course, you must sweep the floors. That's a separate thing. But and this was Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is yeah. this is actually your mother has enough. You have somehow given your mother enough clout to hire up one staff member for the boarding house. Yes. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we shall. You know what? You know what? Uh, we hired him because his name is Butler. Okay. Excellent. His name is Butler. I have just one question about Butler, and mm-hmm. I will let you decide. Is he very young or very old? I think it is one of the two. Mm. Butler, the servant, is an old Dagger Islander man. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Are you making an Artemis Fowl reference? No. I would never do okay. such a thing. 
I'm sorry that. to tell you that you are making an Optimus Fowl reference because in Optimus mm, okay. Fowl, the uh, titular character Optimus Fowl has a dude who is his bodyguard, chef, and all-around dad character, and his yeah. name is Butler. What can ah. I say? Uh huh. So, oh, if 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 Artemis Fowl uh, level of writing uh, rises to that level, what can one say? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, the uh, butler is a very old man. He sweeps the floor. He takes care of the building from time to time. Yeah. And, uh, he is a Dagger Islander, so he has very uh, he has cool tattoos because this mm-hmm. is the thing I establish about Dagger Islanders in my games. They have cool tattoos. Excellent. Nice. Okay. Just wanted to establish him and immediately move on to more interesting things. Yep. Yeah. Which absolutely. is, I so, my best friend is now uh, Al Qadir and Khatam. We hang out all the time. I am always at his political meetings. Uh, yeah. I am trying. I am becoming, alongside him, a pillar of the community. I don't know what this means yet, but I have decided I'm getting into politics. Yep. And when I say very politics, good. I mean getting into politics as much as Al Qadir and Khatam is, which is not very yeah. much. I think the reason that Al-Qadir Ankatam manages to have political sway, despite being pretty incompetent, is I think the thing we have seen about him is he just has boundless energy somehow. So like he gets things done just by virtue of going to all the meetings, which almost no one else has the, the patience for. Yes, exactly. So that's I'm the going sort with of thing him. he does. I'm going with him, and we are waste-good bros. He has introduced ah, yes. me to his. I have through him. I have now enough yeah. clout to go to the best, the best tailor in the, in the hospitality ghetto, uh-huh. uh, yeah. which is well. I mean, he's the best tailor in the hospitality ghetto. Mm-hmm. But he's yeah. the best. He is the best tailor in the hospitality ghetto. Absolutely. So we see a montage of you and <laughs> you and Alkader walking out with brand new waistcoats and sunglasses <laughs> in slow motion. Yes. Uh, this uh-huh. man's this man is on my contact list from the very beginning, but we haven't had much opportunity to use him mm-hmm. yet. Uh, his name is Thum Dorji, mm-hmm. which is which basically means you are a tailor. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. His, uh, sorry about that. As soon as he was born, his dad looked at yeah. him and said, "Thum Dorji." Thum Dorji. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, very good. good. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Well. Oh, <laughs> I, I fear for. I mean, if if Chloe ever has children, I fear for them. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, <laughs> yes. This is my life now. Uh, political meetings, nice waistcoats, uh, but uh, servant called Butler. Mm-hmm. Things are very chill. Also, yes, people, the... <laughs> people. I, I teach people sword fighting. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you have a butcher called Butler and a tailor called Taylor. Yes. Oh, and <laughs> one last thing. Uh-huh. Because now, I, you know, obviously I was always very cool and people always mm-hmm. used to look up to me and find me sexually attractive and desirable. But now people find me even more sexually attractive and desirable. But right now it is all wasted. You know, they come up to me and say, Vidrohi, would you have sex with me? And I say, mm-hmm. In other circumstances, absolutely. You are amazing and beautiful and gorgeous and intelligent, and I would be very lucky. But I am already taken. Yes. I just wanted to establish this. Yes. Oh, my God. I wanted to get to that because I think your relationship with Mumtaz evolved to a very good place after the last score, actually, where both of you guys made a lot of money and increased your level of fame. So you're kind of a celebrity couple couple now, right? You, You individually got famous at the Coliseum event. 
but then it, people found out that you're dating, so now you're no longer quite individually famous, as it were. This is a problem mm. for you, actually, because your mother does not approve of this relationship. Mm. But it's okay. I get her a cool servant called Butler. Mm-hmm. And I we am working with this nice... This. I'm working with nice Alkadar Ankadam men, and we are working uh-huh. for Ketrisi Independence, I think. I'm not sure what we're talking... I'm not sure what we actually do, but he seems <laughs> yeah. very important, you know? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so we will see what Moonlit actually thinks of this, but I don't think you ever got to the point where she... I think she got to the point where she's basically not scolding you for having dated this girl, but it was understood, I think, that you're not going to keep doing it, so... I can have one Uduasha girlfriend as a treat, okay? Mm-hmm. Sure. We again. We will see what your mother has to say about this. But do you think there is a scene here with your new girlfriend? Uh, uh, because yes, I... I think she is also not the person to officially be dating someone. So I think yeah, mm. uh, I think it's interesting to have a, a scene actually about you addressing that whole situation. Mm. But maybe there's something else you wish to speak of. Yeah, so before before that, like we did talk mm-hmm. about like our character, we did talk about like going to see the tree and so on and like having a big mm-hmm. scene around that. I'm not sure is that still something that's going to happen? I'm asking Moss first. I I mean I still have functioning vice and I'm still going to indulge in it. Um mm. so it would still like it would be very good if people joined. Okay. How about Oh my then... god, you're a functioning vice with oh. a tree. I know. It's yeah. I gotta figure out how to fish next to a tree. Uh-huh. Sorry, it shouldn't be that hard because it's in a flooded basement. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I'm going to have a, a cute date with my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Ellipsis question mark. Basement. Yes. Well, we're going to have a cute date. And I'm not sure how we end up in a flooded basement, but we're going to work towards it. Out of character, uh-huh. I'm going to work towards the flooded basement. We're going to find an in-character reason to go to the flooded basement. Okay. Um, so we can should we do that scene now? Or if the flooded basement involves more people, should we catch up with Mushfik first, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> your plan is to take your girlfriend, who has nothing to do with Ketris, really, to a flooded basement. And uh, Mushfik... Oh, she is doing me all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That that is true. Uh we have other things to catch up on as well. But Mushvik, how has your life improved and changed since the uh since the events at the Coliseum? You are probably the most famous person on the crew at the moment. So mm. Yeah. Um, the thing is I like I said, I've always pictured Mushvik as being like just broke, so I think whatever money he's got, he would have just spent it on useless shit like yep. immediately. Uh, in terms of his lifestyle improving, I think uh, he's he can now afford a shirt. I think <laughs> previously mm-hmm. he'd just wear um, <laughs> uh, uh, patched up some, you know, like a undershirt. Uh, but now now he's got like a button-up shirt, so he's very happy about that. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure what he'd be doing right about now, and where we see him. Yeah, we don't have around. to catch up with him necessarily. He has gotten nicer clothes, and otherwise life is pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah, otherwise it's pretty much the same. Um, I don't have, have any of his fans sent him anything. Remember okay. that we were selling like replicas of your uh, grappling hook arm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I, oh, God, uh, we weren't doing that, weren't we? 
<laughs> That's a generous way of putting what we were selling. Uh-huh. Yes, it, it was pretty much trash. But yes, let's say that your fans have sent you something just for... Uh, uh, actually, I think it's your vice purveyor, Sundari Tandori. I think, oh. I think Sundari has uh, become a oh fan of you, and so he, Listen. he will... What? I was just going to say that the reason that this game is a joke is not because uh-huh. of Saida's absolute batshit nonsense. Uh-huh. It's because of Tung Dorji and Sundari Tandori. Okay? Yes, I just I want this to be made I... clear. <laughs> I, I did not name these people. Yeah. It was me. This is all, it was this me, is Austin. All yes. <laughs> the, the fact that Uduashi is apparently full of Bengali puns is squarely on close shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so, <laughs> yes. Gone. Sundari is, I think he is your fan, and so he's uh, obviously, he. he has been, he, sorry, yes, yeah. he, uh, has been obviously giving you um, uh, free food and so on, yeah. but I think she's also sent you some, some like fan gift one of the days you were in the restaurant enjoying the sauce, because you still can't afford very much food, so sometimes it's on the house, and uh, sometimes it's... Uh, Something else. So, I think what she has given you is some sort of like champion's belt. Oh, um, it's she made it herself, or maybe possibly with her family. But it's like a a fandom thing. It's also advertising for her restaurant, right? Because she pictured you walking in, like wearing it, and being like, "Yes, this is where we serve the breakfast of champions." Literally. Oh, so, I'm so sorry, Sundari Thundari, but I think Mushmi would have. I mean, what does this thing look like? Yeah, so it's not made by Tom Durji, who is the best tailor. It's made by her, and it's not, you know, very good. But she has made a, made up her mind to have it be like fancy. So I think it's like yellow and white to symbolize gold and silver, which she can't actually afford. And so, it just says champion on it. I bet it's got sequins on it. It's got is this, like a, is this like a pro wrestling belt? Yes, pretty much. Uh, all right, yeah. Mushfi would have taken one look at that and then tossed it out. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> Very unfortunate. Um, um, I think one of her descriptors is spineless, so I think she she has not commented on this because she doesn't dare to, if I remember correctly, her descriptions from the book. Yeah, Sly, uh, spineless, incompetent. <laughs> spineless and incompetent. Yeah. God. So, she she has sent you presents, you have thrown them away, and she has not dared confront you about it. <laughs> this is the... Uh, yeah, um... I don't know. I didn't have anything planned, unfortunately. I didn't have anything planned for Mushmi to do right about now. I figured yep. that maybe one of the other characters would have a... I got something. Okay. All right. I got something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because of the... Well, because of the grappling hook, mm. there is now a growing... Very, very small population. There's a very gr- small trend of people who are throwing uh, ropes onto like rafters and so on and trying to swing across them. You have created a trend of amateur Spider-Man who all look up to you. Good. Okay, it's a thing now in the city. Can I, can I vote? Can I vote that Zoheb no longer be permitted to add law? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a way to turn this around. I actually. have a choice. This is... 
<laughs> this is not just uh, it's not amateur Spider-Man. What this has influenced is unexpectedly the roof ballers of Uduasha. And Hell yeah. the roof ball sport oh, okay. is now including yeah. hook shots. <laughs> this is so they're actually people are somewhat competent, but you know, they were roof ball fans who saw that fight. They were like, oh that's interesting. I bet I could use that. Uh, see, and uh, so, three, is that how it is? Like it's okay, it's it's not okay if like people are amateur Spider-Man, but it's okay if if we have amateur Spider-Man football no. players, huh? Nah, because then yes. they're pro Spider-Man. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I just know yeah. what the rules are. Adia has got it right. Yeah, I, I think so. What, what we find Mushvik is that, like, if, if um, in terms of his room, I think, like, or his living space, so he's um, just he's got a place at uh, Moonlit's boarding house. I would say that um, it's uh, fairly stark, right? Like, and maybe it's just uh, like I don't know the habit of not having anything. So even though maybe he would be able to afford more furniture and uh, dress it up a bit. I think just his upbringing, um, he's left it pretty stark. So he's basically got, like, I guess a desk, a chair. Uh, there's a thin mattress on top of some wooden pallets. That's his bed. Um, I would say, like, there's like one window. He's probably just hung up a bed sheet as a curtain. Um, yeah, and like, yeah, there's a uh, straw mat on the floor, I think. And like, but the thing is, I think it's all very neat. Like, there's, uh, is there's very few things, but like, it's been all fairly well organized. Like, and I think you can tell that this is this is a room of someone who's had like from a, at some point, like you know, his teacher has been very strict about keeping his uh, living quarters in order. Mm-hmm. And if. Uh, Anyone needs Mushvik? He's over here, and he's he's eating the free food that Shundori Tandori has given him. Yes, make that. So we will cut back. Wait, to was the was the meat easy. from Sundari Tandori as well? Yes, obviously it was. She's been making donations yeah. because yeah, she's yeah, trying to spin this as like an advertising for her restaurant, but unfortunately it's bombing yeah. because Mushvik just does not draw attention to himself enough. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it, it is an issue. I'm not gonna lie. Yep. Um, so uh, let us then see Bidruhi, which where do you actually meet your girlfriend? Where do you meet Mumtaz? Because mm. you definitely can't do it at the boarding house. Your mother will not let this woman in anymore <laughs> after she mooched and got free food last time she was there. Like where she usually hangs out is up in Ash Cloister because she is a performer herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we usually go there. But mm-hmm. hmm. so if I may, I think what's come up is that because I don't actually see her that often, or at least like because when I do see her, like there's also the 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 issue with my mother. Um, because of that, we don't actually spend much time in Wunderbest, and I think like I don't know if she'd be the type of person to actually like actually voice this as like a thing like you know I, I don't know much about you like suspect she wouldn't voice it but i suspect she might be the kind of person who would feel that sort of like distance that asymmetry yeah so i think like uh what i have suggested is that we actually hang out in bundervest which uh and here like i would make the suggestion and you can tell me how it goes because one would expect that someone like her wouldn't be caught dead in bundervest just hanging out like that's a really strange place for a date 
but if she says yes if she's into the idea then that shows that she's actually actually into into me okay so you have suggested basically you haven't met in bundervest before and when this scene opens you have suggested that you meet there yeah i mean she's been we've been in bundervest like she came to the boarding house mm-hmm. once but like we haven't had like an actual just date there no mm-hmm. uh so i think it's interesting it's also sort of like daring because yeah the catrisy community talked when someone dates an outsider, mm. right? And you, mm. the Catrice community lives here, so the likelihood mm. that someone will see it is very high. But I do think she shows up. Mm. Um, I think she would show up in Bundavest because it's you know not as much a problem for her. However, she is a, a by her own admission a thief and someone who moves in different circles, and so I think she will show up in. Uh, I mean, she's she's attempting to blend in somewhat right she's also extremely vain however Mm -hmm. so i think what the compromise of this will be is that she's going to show up in like very covering and kind of drab clothes with like a hood uh over her you know like a like a scarf over her hair a hood that hides her face long sleeves all that and pretty much look like well she looks like someone who's trying to be incognito but that's not all that uncommon in bundervest and then it's going to be the case that when she lifts this hood she's going to have like super impeccable makeup and like her nicest earrings on and just be absolutely radiant whenever she actually looks at someone excellent everyone so should know is, Pedro yeah. is dating a 10 out of 10 yeah so this is the vibe she's gone for which is like undercover but also <laughs> made made sure that she looks extremely good even okay okay even I have... and I think it's in fact the, the case that like it's it will also be obvious when she lifts her hood that she's wearing this disguise like on top of her nice clothes. Mm. Okay. So I have I have a plan for this You're date. I have, for I, have each a, other. I have an mm-hmm. itinerary. Yep. First thing is we take a romantic walk along the jetties. Uh-huh. In fact, you I think it jet, actually the jetties where the Scovlanders work. Yeah, this, this is not like a nice fishing jetty. This is the place where a bunch of large burly men like handle crates and fish. But okay, yeah. Yes, <laughs> we'll walk along it, and then <laughs> we're going to go. So these are the high locks. So yeah. this is where, and I think like when there's fa- the Falcon's Perch, is mm-hmm. that what the Which is a, a big fortress? Mm-hmm. Was it Perch or Nest? I think it was Perch. Mm-hmm. Either way the place Mm -hmm. a big fortress on a mountain and yes of course like you can't actually go into the fortress but i think like the paths up to the fortress and like the paths like going up to the high locks if you're like a fit person then there's like a walking trail up there and you can actually get an incredible view of the city so i think we make our way up there all right so you're taking her up to a nice viewing spot yes by the old fortress where once like in a very distant past, generals looked down outside the city when there was an outside the city to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so the wind catches in her scarf and she stares out dramatically at the the gray wastes outside the city, what little she can see of them, of the clouds. And they're like down at Bundervest itself with the river and the high locks that lead all the way out of the city. And uh, she turns to you with that painfully beautiful expression and uh, she says so is this your 
ambitions you're showing me right now? Or why are we up here? Just wanted you to see the whole of Bundarvest and the hospitality ghetto. And if you look, you can actually see quite a bit of some of the other districts. Look, there's the foreign quarter, there's Pasarhan too. It's a nice view, I think. And maybe, I mean, I don't know. Like, of course, you have been born and raised in this city. And there's an implied question mark there. Uh, you've been born and raised in the city, so maybe you've come up here. But I am thinking maybe not. Uduashans don't seem to come here very often. No, not to Bundervest. No, it's, it's, uh, it's for us, isn't it? I suppose it's become that way. It used to be the entrance to the city, you know? Back in the day when the river was the only way. And she kind of like looks up to the old locks and the old mm -hmm. gates of the city that are, I mean, they're still in use, but this there's a reason this area has become the poorest part of the city, right? It's no longer the lifeblood of commerce it once was. Yeah. So I think we look at it and say, now people like my mother, they come in through, through the, through the jetty, through, through the, through the locks. Food from my ancestral home, which I've never been to comes in through the locks. And there, far away, we can't see it from here, in the railway station, that's where all the things that people really want or pretend they want, they come in. All the Sparkcraft and all those like really nice things. But at the end of the day, you can't eat Sparkcraft. What, the, what people in Uduasha really need, but never really think about, is all the food coming from Ketris. Sometimes I think about this. Have you? Sorry. You... Yeah. She she smiles and she says, "You took me up here to impress me with rice, and you succeeded. Well done." Rice, rice is, is very impressive. impressive. Yes, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. First of all, rice is very impressive. Second of all, the view here is magnificent. Third of all. We can we can make out up here in pub, in complete privacy. So let us do that for a while, and then we do that for a while. <laughs> yeah, I want to be clear oh. here that the way that this man initiates romantic like uh -huh. encounters is let us do this now. <laughs> yes, I have scheduled. I have scheduled yes. uh, fifteen minutes for this. <laughs> yeah, but you have a busy date ahead. Very well, you will enjoy the view. <laughs> And the makeout session until the changing of the guard happens up on the Pursan's walls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then but that's where the fun starts. Mm -hmm. And then we say, yeah. okay, okay. You know, we have been together for a while, and I don't know that much about you, except that you are hot and that you are a thief and that I like you very much. So you can tell me more about yourself when it is comfortable for you. That is entirely up to you. But you know, you are hot and I like you very much. We do. We have had many activities that intersect on these two qualities. But the fact that you are a thief, we have not intersected upon yet. How about we go and do some crimes? He laughs and she says, well, you really are my sort of guy. Most people, I think, they're more comfortable with conversation than with conversation. But I'm the other way around, she says, using one of those as a euphemism. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I am an all-arounder kind of man, okay? Well, I can also do crime. Yeah, you're simply all-arounder. <laughs> uh, 
you can also do crime. What did you have in mind exactly? I okay. suggested a job for you once. I suppose turnabout is fair play. Okay. I mean, it's still a date, you know, so let's not like overexert ourselves by too much. But okay. I, well, let us get a little bit political, if that's all right with you. Is it okay if we get a little bit political? Uh, is this the uh, is this the waving and smiling from behind a fan kind of political or no, the no, paperwork no, no, no. kind? No, no, it's the steal a bunch of shit kind of political. Well, I'm fine with that. Excellent, very good. So you know the Scovlanders? I mean, most of them are very nice, but some of them they are like like you know like fucking assholes, you know, and they and they have like guns and so on, and they like really bully us. Okay, how about we just kind of go through the Scovlander part of the hospitality ghetto and just steal a bunch of shit from some of their merchants? This is such a yeah. terrible idea. She she looks at you and she kind of lowers her her gaze and there's like a seductive eyelash flutter, and then she says, "Is this about that woman Jackal?" And she gives away <laughs> that she has been looking into you. <laughs> okay, okay. Listen, me and Jekyll, that is a very different matter. That is also a very deep relationship with lots and lots of twisting and turnings. But it is a very different kind of relationship than what I have with you, okay? And I hope very much that we do not run into Jekyll because that's going to get very complicated and Ostris is probably going to shoot us. Now, so darling, I propose this. a path away from her. Yeah. Now, darling... <laughs> This is the kind of politics I enjoy, she says, and she pokes you in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's going to totally do it, because now it's, the political has become personal. Yes. So, oh, oh, God. oh, wait, is she, is she proposing we find Jekyll? <laughs> no, she's proposing you steal shit and annoy Jekyll, specifically. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Is... Okay, very good. We will let her... Okay, this is even better. We steal some things, and then we leave... A little note saying, tell Jekyll it was Bidruhi, plus his hot girlfriend. Yep. <laughs> yeah. She uh, <laughs> he smiles and uh, says, ah, well, I said I wasn't a fan of the paperwork part of politics, but that I can get behind. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I will get <laughs> behind you. You go ahead. I will be behind you. <laughs> okay. So you guys are just going to... I mean, it's not even... What is this? <laughs> So you're just going to walk on the hostile turf and steal some shit? Yes. Very good. Okay. Well, I think this is... Not to draw this out too long. Like, we won't make this a whole, you know, solo yeah. score or anything. But I no. think there's a role here. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I don't think we'll get anything particularly no. valuable enough to... I, I have an idea for both both consequences and effect of this. So it's risky standard. And the standard effect you will get here is, like, not necessarily anything of value, but you will have a good date. You know, like, that's the yes, standard exactly. effect. That's She's going point. to have fun. Yes, yeah. we're going to, this is all about the fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm going to call it a finesse. Yep, it's not a downtime action. There is risk involved. And, uh, yeah, finesse right. it is. All right, good. Uh, so risky standard, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it's not a downtime action, so I'm not getting a plus one dice from Muntas. Okay. It's just hmm. also she is sort of the target of the action. So. Yeah, it makes sense. Hmm. Could I get a devil's bargain? I really, I really hope that you generate a, a consequence here. Yeah, so, that's fair enough. Um, uh, yes, there's... <laughs> okay, I... Uh, this is the dumb devil's bargain, but it came to my mind. Hmm. So, uh, 
I think the devil's bargain you can take here is that you will actually steal something personally of Jackal's. I mean, she's not like a tremendously wealthy woman. She doesn't have bodyguards, right? You can't steal something from her house, but this is the hospitality ghetto. There's a I, lot of... I, I know what it yeah. is. It's probably from like a clothesline or something. I know exactly or... what it is. Uh-huh. She's got, uh, she's got, I think, two pairs of cowboy boots with spurs. Mm-hmm. And one of yeah. them happens to be in a cobbler's. Yeah, there you go. One of them is being repaired, so you steal. Yes. You want to steal one shoe? No, one pair. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. well, we'll see. We'll see. Confirming yeah. that you'll okay. have the pen. You can yeah. take this as a there, devil's bargain, no, but you know, you know what? Stealing one shoe is even better because mm-hmm. I could have stolen the other one. Yeah, but I just steal one, uh, so now she now has a useless just shoe. Just being annoying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you steal. You steal the one shoe. That isn't broken, right? You leave the shoe uh-huh. that doesn't, like, that's not the solar. Uh-huh. And is the note with it was Pitrohi and his hot girlfriend in the other shoe? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Obviously. Yes. Okay. So you may take this devil's bargain, and whether or not you succeed in, in giving your date a good time, Jackal is annoyed with you now, and I am dropping Jackal's squad in faction status. Apparently, yes. we don't have a good time. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. Oh, so, what is going you to happen so here? You are so obsessed mm-hmm. with Jackal. So, what is going to happen here, and you can resist this if you wish, but what is going to happen is that you are caught out by some Skovlander thugs. They are going to run after you, and you guys are just going to flee head over heels, because these are not the kind of people you can reason with. And mm. I don't think Peter has brought a sword. <laughs> And, uh, unless you resist it, you are going to be chased into a flooded basement where you will coincidentally bump into Moss, who is heading for a tree. But Prince, that's what I wanted to have happen. That's what I wanted to happen. Yes, the consequence is that Moss has been asked to keep an eye on your relationship with this foreign woman, (laughs) this outsider woman. And this outsider woman, I don't think, is supposed to be seeing the secret Kethrisy ancestor tree. And now she's going to very much insist on it, because... She's going to figure fine. out, just from your meeting alone, that there's something going on here. It's fine. She should learn our traditions, because soon, maybe, maybe, she will be family. Yes. So, I know that you wanted this to happen anyway. The reason it's a consequence is that Mumtaz will catch on to that there is something of value here. Yes. Maybe she won't necessarily understand it, but she will. And she is, you know, she likes you, but she's still an outsider, and your religion means nothing to her. So. Hmm. Well, we shall see about that. We shall see yeah, what happens can, of them. You okay. can resist this if you want, and I think nah. you're resisting it basically by distracting her from it, but I think the, the interesting thing here is that she not only finds this basement, but finds something out, right? And, mm. and I think the reason this is your hiding place is just straightforwardly that you probably don't know why Moss goes here, but you do know that Moss goes here, you know? So you know mm-hmm. that it is a place that is hidden away. Okay, so for now, I won't resist her seeing the tree and, like, feet. Let's see. Like for now, I won't resist it. Mm-hmm. I'd like her to see I the think, tree, actually. Yeah, and we shall see. I think see what it's comes not that it. you stumble straight into the tree, right? You probably stumble into this basement, mm. and yeah, like I said, I think you're using a bolt hole that you know Moss has used before. Is it fair, yeah. Moss? Yeah. Do you think that's reasonable? Yeah, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, um, and since we wanted a scene together, I suppose Moss can be there, as can anyone else who wants to have visited the tree. We can flash back to. A scene where you tell people yeah. about it if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 
so so my first question would be is is Pedro here for the flashback scene where I tell people about the tree um which would mean that he would be aware what the uh mm. what the basement is oh do you want to you wanted to do that on a flashback I think that makes sense then yeah yeah here close the doors to the house of endings those who dwell within are so happy called Chloe, Adiat, called Soap, Saumitri, called Tree, and Emma. I have been Prince, your host. Our city of Uduasha is based on Blades in the Dark by John Harper and Evil Hat Productions, with special thanks to Johnstone Metzger. Follow us on Twitter, or support us on ko-fi.com slash desperateattune. If you want to engage further with us, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash desperateattune, where you will get our newsletter, extra content, and updates from Uduasha. next episode of Desperate Attune. Uh, I would like to grab him and say, um, and what do you think you're doing? Um, I'm going to see if this tastes the same as the ancestor bananas that I have brought in from Kithris. It will not. How will it taste the same? <laughs> Wish well, well, it the same. It? well, I mean, it, it'll let me know if something's wrong with it. There is obviously... Because you're a banana diagnostician now?